Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your own body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare. Hello, Lady Singular. Lady. I am Lady Stafford. <laughs> Lady Stafford. I'm Lady Sanders. The two of us are gathered here in the midst today. Sands, one Saeed Jones. But nevertheless, you are listening to Vibe Check. As you can already tell, listeners, our dear Saeed Jones is not with us for this taping. He is in transit to L.A. actually for a special surprise that y'all will see later. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, Zach and I are holding down the fort. What is on deck this week, Zach? Yeah, so today we have to, even though we don't want to, we have to talk about Donald <laughs> Trump because the man <sighs> is being arrested today or something. And then we're going to talk about that. Here's the thing. He's not even going to be in cuffs. <laughs> They're just even, like, come on in. This is like his <laughs> Say hi. This fake-ass presidency and fake-ass arrest. All of this is fake. He is fake. <laughs> the news around him. So anyway, we're going to talk about that finally. And you know, you should know that we're doing this Tuesday morning, midday, New York time. So Trump has not arrived to the courthouse yes. yet where he'll arrive and go to the 14th floor, I believe, not on an escalator, but an elevator and, you know, Ooh. be arraigned. And we will talk about all of that. And after that, you know, Sam and I were talking yesterday and we both feel like there has been a loss of the internet's front page. That news just doesn't feel, you know, accessible or even really present anymore. Uh, and that has mm -hmm. to do with Twitter and some other things. So we're going to talk about that as well. But before we do all that, Sam Sanders, how are you doing today? I am, and we'll talk more about the Trump of it all in the first segment, but I'm just feeling some kind of deja vu on this Tuesday as we tape the show at 9.42 a.m. Pacific waiting for Trump to do something. I spent years of my life waiting for Trump to do something. <laughs> when I covered politics and covered that 16 campaign, he was the first thing I thought about when I woke up in the morning and the last thing I mm -hmm. thought about when I went to bed at night. And being back in that space as we wait for whatever this arraignment indictment's going to be, it's like, oh, Lord. Yeah. And I keep wondering and I'm conflicted by how it feels like we're all still kind of taking the bait 
Yeah. Like, we don't know how to not give him all the attention we have when these moments happen. And I'm like, what will ever break us of this man? Yeah. What will ever, like, I heard a segment on the radio yesterday, not going to say where it came from or who it came from, but they had a whole long segment talking about how they're not going to cover Trump too much. That's a segment about that. <laughs> NPR like, did that today. They also were tweeting all their top correspondents say about like, you know, we're, we're not only going to be covering everything, but we're not going to run his speech live and we're going to do all this other news. But remember, we're also doing Trump. It's like, girl, you can't do yeah. anything without talking about it. It's like when people talk about their ex and, and, and they're like, you know, I'm not thinking about him at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You brought him up, girl. Yeah. You brought him up. Yeah, they're like, I'm totally over him. And look, oh, that car's blue. You know, Sam drove a blue car once. It blew on our first day. And you're like, bro, you're not over it. Like, you were truly yeah. over Yeah, so that's my vibe, I guess, this week and today, especially. Like, will we ever be over this? Will we ever be over I don't this? Know. That's my vibe. I agree. I, I'm also having kind of like a trauma response to all of this. You know, I woke up today and typically, you know, I try to work out. Do I have a whole new routine in this post-Trump world in which I like take care of me first. I go and do my thing. There you go. Then I start there work. There you go. Yeah. No, no. This morning, I reverted back to old school Zach where I woke up and was like, I need coffee. I'm going to go walk to coffee, which I never do. I usually make it myself so I can listen to every soundbite and every news about Uh Donald Trump. So I am prepared today. And I was like, why does it feel like 2015 again? Where every day I woke up and I was like, what is happening? What's in my inbox? How am I going to manage all this chaos? And how do I find any like sense of myself in all of this mess outside of Mm -hmm. Donald Trump and his feelings? So it does feel like we're like back to an old place that I was hoping we'd get past, but we haven't. We haven't gotten we over haven't. our ex, Donald Trump. He's now back <laughs> in our lives because he's going to jail. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Besides uh, our ex and feeling some way about him, what is your vibe this week, Zach? Oh, I'm feeling, I mean, LA, since we do talk a lot about weather, is beautiful. We sure do. And it's about but to it's get been so, a little windy and cold. So windy and cold. But this it's weekend is going to get warm. I'm ready for it. People can go back to the beach. They can be out in the world. So I'm feeling really hopeful about that. It does feel like spring has sprung. And when I was in D.C. last weekend, or seeing the cherry blossoms bloom, it made me feel like seasons are real. Uh, see, cherry happens. blossoms are triggering for me because of the histamine of it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I used to live in D.C., April was my death month. Because all the pretty blossomings just effed up my allergies. But yeah. it's cute. It was it's I, cute. I was glad I had a day. But I, when I got back, my allergies were rocked. Yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm like so ready to wear my short sleeve shirts yeah. again. I've been wearing sweats and shit for like six months now because it's been so cold. So just, I want spring. I want summer. I think it's here. Yeah. Well, before we jump into the topics, I hear that Saeed Jones has left us a voice note. He did. Hey, girlies. It's Saeed. I am... Literally, I'm, I need to leave my apartment in like the next 10 minutes to go to the airport. I'm running around. I will be traveling all day, which means I won't be able to record with y'all this week, which makes me a little sad. But I thought I'd leave you a voice note. Nonetheless, with my vibe check, you know, aside from the general <laughs> chaos of me not packing last night as I should have, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling cute. You know, what can I say? I'm not being arraigned today. You know what I mean? I'm not having charges read to me in a New York state courthouse or whatever. So, you know, there's the bar and I'm jumping over it. And I guess I I can say this. I am on my way to L.A. to see y'all for some vibe check work we're doing, which is a little weird. Like, I can't record with you because I'm on my way to see you. And this is my prayer. 
not to be spiteful, I don't want to be spiteful, but I, I have a lot of anxiety about Beyonce's visuals. And I just, it's a long flight to California and airplane Wi-Fi is, you know, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. It's not consistent. And so my my genuine prayer is that for whatever reason, I, I'm really anxious that Beyonce is going to decide to release her visuals while I'm in the air. And I just, please don't do that, Beyonce. You've waited this long. You've waited this long. It's been so long. The album came out in, what, July? July of last year. Surely, surely you can wait at least 24 more hours. So, yeah, that is that is my totally ridiculous anxiety is that I will not be immediately able to watch Beyonce's visuals because I'll be on a Southwest Airlines flight. I huh. I have many things huh. to respond in all of this. Um, also, the whole not to be spiteful. That's so sad. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> not Very to sad. be spiteful. I love it. <laughs> okay, so do you know why he's stressed out about Beyonce? Because I think I have an idea. But I don't have an idea. I've just made peace with the fact that I'll probably never see visuals for this album. That's my thinking at this point. Well, is okay, there news? Same. So I think the deep internet rumor or fear is that today is April 4th, 4-4. Beyonce's favorite number is four. Is four. She's born on September 4th. But the reason why we're not focusing on September 4th this year and only April 4th is because the tour is already going to be happening in September. So mm-hmm. this is the only major four date where she could drop something a la Taylor Swift uh, loves this stuff. I've been hearing this dropping this month since last July. I don't think they Let me tell anymore. you two people I don't trust in this world. Donald Trump and Beyonce's video person. Don't wow. trust Wow. Is that person needing to be arraigned too? <laughs> arraign, arraign whoever is in charge of Beyonce's visuals. Because Beyonce didn't give us those visuals, I had to watch everyone and their mother do those horrible cuff it dances mm-hmm. on TikTok for three months. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have had to deal with that bullshit choreography if the videos were there. That's true. Before we close our, our vibes, I guess we got to mention how the NCAA women's title for basketball oh, yeah. turned into a conversation about race. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all know this story. We don't have to tell you all about it. But two young women playing top-notch basketball in the NCAA women's basketball finals got different treatment for doing the same thing. Two players. We know the LSU forward, Angel Reese, Uh, She made a you-can't-see-me gesture when her team was doing well during the game this week. She got all kinds of blowback. But at the same time, another white player from Iowa who was playing her, Caitlin Clark, got no blowback. We thought about talking about this story for a bit on this episode, but what is there to say besides, I'm not surprised, sports are still racist. Yeah. Like, I mean, if Serena Williams is going to be booed and yelled at on the court as, like, at the height of her career, if we're also going to have high school students just, what, a few months ago in Utah getting barked at and them using the N-word at that black girl, like, it just feels like sports are constantly having this racist moment, which has led us to be like, we will do the episode coming up on like the rise of women's basketball and how racism has intertwined in that and all that. Cause there's a lot going on with Brittany Grinder now being released. Yeah. But, you know, our big note here is of course the of black course. woman who is about to win is about to be reprimanded. Have you seen black people in America? This is how it always works. There you go. Yeah. I will say it is exciting for the last few weeks or months. It's felt like in many regards, we're caring about and talking about women's basketball more mm-hmm. than men's basketball to which I say, Good. Amazing. Love. Good. But we'll leave it there for now. We got to talk about um, <laughs> Donald Trump. Ah! Okay, Donald Trump. We can do this. Uh, before we do that, though, 
We want to acknowledge that we've heard your requests and have now included our recommendations and my own playlist in our show notes and description. Thanks to all of you who sent us fan mail and reached out to us on social media. We absolutely love reading your messages. Keep them coming at vibecheck at stitcher.com. Vibecheck at stitcher.com. With that, let's jump in, shall we? Let's do it. I'm going to timestamp us again as we start this segment. We're going to talk about the Trump of it all. It is 9.54 a.m. Pacific time on Tuesday morning. We're still waiting for Trump to get to this courthouse. He ain't there yet. But in the meantime, we can talk about what's been going on so far and how we feel about it. Big picture, big story. Y'all know it. Donald Trump has been indicted on more than 30 felony counts. And this week, today, he's supposed to surrender himself to authorities in New York City. But do not get too excited just yet. From what we know at tape time, in spite of some 34 felony counts for falsification of business records, Trump will not be in handcuffs. He will not have to take a mugshot. He will not be placed in a jail cell. I want to get to the nitty gritty. But first, Zach, does any of that surprise you how nicely this man is going to be treated? No, he's white man. He's rich. Like, of course he is. Even if he wasn't the ex-president, there would have been a way in which the state of New York would have, you know, coordinated with him because he is Donald Trump and he has some weird air of importance still in Manhattan, which I still don't understand. But no, I think this all makes sense. And, you know, he is the first ex-president to go through something like this. So we don't really have a rule book. He's kind of making it up on the fly. So is, you know, state and federal officials too. But a part of me, I don't know. Actually, let's talk about this. Because people, at first, I wanted to see the mugshot, the handcuffs, all of that. Like, part of me really wanted that, like, visual aid. But now I'm kind of glad we're not getting it because he can't be treated like, you know, a political— He'll campaign on it. Yeah, Yeah. he would campaign on it. It would just be this thing that he would use. And, yeah, so I don't know. How are you feeling with that? Because that's been, like, the big thing online is people want to see him handcuffed and dragged. But then a lot of us are like, "Uh, that could be used against us. I feel so weird— about the way we talk about a former president coming up on charges. Everyone's like, oh, this is so unprecedented. Other countries do this. Yes. yes. Western Europe will prosecute former leaders. Mm -hmm. It's happened in Asian nations. It's not like it's unprecedented. You know, former leaders and current leaders of all kinds of countries can get brought up on charges if the charges are there. So I'm first a little gobsmacked by all the pearl-clutching and hand-wringing over the fact that this guy is brought up on charges. Yeah. Of course he's brought up on charges. Look at all he's done, you know? So I want us to get over that. But besides that, I have a lot of legal questions about this case and if this will be the one that actually does something to him. You know, he's dealing with several things at the same time. There's a Stormy Daniels case here in New York about hush money that was funneled through his campaign. But there's also an investigation into his involvement in the January 6th riots. And, and this might be the biggest one, lots of officials in Georgia and in the federal courts are looking into what he did after the election when he basically called leaders in Georgia and said, can you find me more votes? Can you mm-hmm. sway this election for me? That feels like the big one, you know? And so we're seeing this happen, but I'm not sure this is the biggest or best case against him. You know, there are a lot of legal questions that we can't answer here, but that exist, you know? We have right now with New York and the hush money payments in this case, a New York State AG 
making what could have been misdemeanor offenses a felony offense, 34 of them. And then on top of that, there are big questions about whether the state AG can bring any kind of charges against Trump on federal campaign finance law. Mm -hmm. That's actually not quite in his purview. So there are some legal questions about whether this case can hold its snuff in a court of law. There's also a reality in which this trial might not start for a year. Literally a year. And if Trump's team tries to drag things out with motions for whatever, it could take even longer. So I just, I don't think this is going to be as big of a deal as some people want it to be. Yeah, I just think it's going to be a nothing burger. I don't think he goes to jail on this. And I think he drags it out to where we possibly don't even see a case until late next year. Yeah. What do you think people want right now from Trump? You know, I think like, we know every other show is doing the breakdown of the legal, what's happening in the court, et cetera. But we all have wanted him to be arrested for a long time. You know, it was the biggest conversation when he was elected. And then throughout his campaign, there was always the obsession. I mean, the man was impeached twice, which is, you know, yep. in my head, the version of an indictment, but for a president. Like, it's like, uh-huh. he's already been down this road yeah. before. But what do you think we are looking for out of all this? Because it does seem like we're throwing everything at the wall. But what do you think the outcome should be, I guess, spiritually for our country? And then also legally, what what should it be? Because right now, this current case is very small. Like, you're not going to see him go to jail, even if found guilty. People want vengeance. And not to go Bible, but Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. (laughs) It ain't going to come from the court. (laughs) I just feel like whatever feelings you have about this man— He's done something to where he'll never see as much justice as he needs to see. And I've just been trying to make peace with that since he's left office. This man is Teflon, whether you love him or hate him. And I really don't think this is the thing that takes him down. And I think that, like, for me, what I hope happens to our politics, because there's a need for vengeance on both sides. The right wants vengeance for how badly they feel Trump was treated. The left wants vengeance for how badly they think Trump treated the nation. Mm -hmm. But I kind of want at some point for our politics and our country to move on. Yeah. To move on. And I don't know how we get there with this foolishness. Yeah. But that's what I want. What do you yeah, want? Yeah, I agree. I think I want us to move on and get past it. And it does feel like our obsession, like he should be held accountable. And there's a world in which, you know, you allow these prosecutors to continue to do their jobs. But allow that to happen without it becoming central to our, our sense of being in this country, because right now we're shifting back That's to the like thing. This it's our becoming, sense of being. Yeah, yeah. Our sense of being, our sense of purpose now has come back and we're all excited. The news outlets are like, ooh, you know, viewership's gonna come back, all this stuff. So we're getting too hyped on this, the entertainment of it all. But you know, when you look past entertainment of, of it all and look at like just the reality that this is a man that did bad, what do we want for this man to go through? I'm like, I'd like this to happen in quiet. Like I don't need to experience it anymore. And I wanna yeah. be I wanna let it go. Because because it's not as radical. I mean, to your point, you look globally. You know, Netanyahu was recently, you know, prosecuted. Come on. So it's like we France have, does it all France, the time. France does it all the time. Like this is a, an ongoing thing that's happened forever in healthy democracies too. There and you what go. What people are really stressed out about is that we're going through an existential moment of Russia's being really chaotic. China's becoming really muscular globally, and we're feeling kind of like the fall of an empire. So to have a president go through this, we're making it this this kind of like end of Rome thing, which like you know, Rome was falling before Trump. Trump is just kind of like one part of this bigger Woo! thing happening. Yeah, yeah. It is so wild, though, to see that this is the first thing that might get him in court. It's so small. The actual charge here is that he made hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, this porn star who alleged that she had an affair with him. Trump funneled $130,000 to her through his attorney, Michael Cohen, Mm -hmm. to keep her from talking. 
And all of this, I think, blew up because like Trump didn't pay Michael Cohen back or something. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> like, like yeah. literally. <laughs> and so to see of all of the things that he's done over the course of his life, this is the thing that gets him caught up. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Uh, but I really don't think that this is going to put this man in jail. Yeah. I just don't see that. What do you think about the Stormy Daniels of it all? Because there is this moment when I look at Stormy Daniels who, you know, is a really, I find I've met her once. I was there when Wes Hollywood gave her the keys to the city after she, you know, started fighting back against Trump. And, and you said she's nice, right? And she's very nice. Very nice. Okay. Has two gay dads, two men. She calls her Aww. dads that are gay. She's a lovely person. She is a bona fide porn star. Like she was famous before. And that's kind of how she got in the sphere. She's not just, yeah. not just a porn actor, but she was like someone of, of note in this world. And, you know, yeah. she's, become a rallying cry for many on the left that are fighting for sex workers rights and for women's rights and they love that this like I think she even self-identifies as a blonde bimbo it, that she's like kind of okay. feeding on like of course I'm the one to take take him down but do we even think like the symbolism of a woman taking him down it's going to work because there is even that other case the E. Jean Carroll case which is going to trial this month which is the case in which the former advice columnist you know says that Trump did sexually assault her you know do we think that there's, by this focus on Trump, are we even allowing room for these women's historic moments to really be seen, I guess, and celebrated? Is, are we seeing real change from their stories coming forward? Because for me, I'm like, wow, this is kind of a good product of the Me Too era, that women are coming forward and holding men accountable. But I don't know. That's just like a lot to throw at you. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And I, I want everyone who was wronged by Trump to get to make him answer in a court of law. But when I think about the Me Too of it all, my thesis is like the only man actually canceled from Me Too was Harvey Weinstein. Um, the only man. Bill Cosby got out of jail. Donald Trump is running for president again after yeah. being president for four years. I'm not sure that what America hoped for out of the Me Too movement has materialized. Yeah. And we see evidence of that in seeing the groper in chief still out here. Not having his mugshot taken or put in handcuffs, even as he faces 34 felony counts. You know, yeah. these men are still untouchable yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Sorry to take it down, but no, <laughs> that's I mean, what I'm feeling. And I think that's kind of like where we have to end this because, you know, this is ongoing. And we, when we look to this Trump case, we need to be a little sober and what we can expect mm -hmm. out of it. Because I don't think even if he is found guilty, we're not going to see these big system changes we've been hoping for. We thought like one thing is going to set it all right. One thing will make us feel better. But I think it's okay to be like, no, this all this shit sucks across the board. Yeah. And it's bigger yeah. than him and it's smaller than him. It's everywhere. And it's not just one person that's going to make us feel good tomorrow. And I don't know. Yeah. What to do with that? <laughs> well, and honestly, to close on this, I don't think the left knows what to do with that either. I think for so long, for many years, the lifeblood of the left and the Democratic Party was standing in opposition to a villain like Donald Trump. Yeah. And yeah. when he's not there, it feels like the left, at least right now, doesn't know their way. Yeah. You know? And so my hope is that the Democratic Party and Joe Byron and them and, and all the left find some message that can stand on its own yeah. to represent what they speak to without Donald Trump. Yeah. Like the left's entire politics cannot be just a reaction to Trump and Trumpism. It's yeah. gotta be bigger than that and more than that. And where is that? That's yeah. what I'm hoping for. I mean, this takes us back to the original point about a breakup. You know, if we do use mm -hmm. breakup framework to yeah. understand Trump and moving forward, we yeah. all have been, we've all gone through a breakup and then you started dating too soon and all you can do is talk <laughs> about that ex and that makes that new person be like, oh God, why am I mm -hmm. here? They don't want to be with you. And the only way in which you move forward is by fully letting go of that, that bad relationship that was behind you fully and also not busying yourself with 
kind of that mm-hmm. person's life. And I do think that Trump doesn't do well when he doesn't have the oxygen of public opinion around him. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that is the way forward. We got to all just stop and let it be. Stop. And it doesn't mean he's getting away with it. You know, these systems yeah. will keep moving, but you just got to stop giving it attention. So anyway, that's it. We'll keep following. We'll see this. It's we a very historic day. I still got this CNN camera up waiting. It's, just, it's just literally a shot of people just waiting. Yeah, That's where this we're is, at right now. What this, a metaphor. It's so, and then, well, God, it is a metaphor. We got to go to break. I can't. <laughs> We'll be back. One quick break. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Hey there, Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true. All of the Black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential Black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. And we're going to switch gears a bit and go backwards the time, I think, in the segment to pre-Trump, to an era of the internet that we kind of are missing this morning. So, yeah. you know, yesterday when we were having a conversation, we we're all came to this realization that it feels like the internet is entering a very new chapter. And we do have some, you know, just some examples to look at the show. That. So over the weekend, as you all probably saw, Twitter verification was supposed to cease to exist. People like Sam and I were going to lose our badges. I think I still got it. I think I still got my check. You got yours. I got mine, girl. They were going to strip us of our celebrity mm-hmm. status, whatever that means. And lo and behold, none of that happened because Elon Musk cannot do anything right at all. <laughs> uh, but the one thing he did do was that he focused in on one major Twitter account, which was the New York Times, and ripped them of their verification because they refused. He is so petty. He's so petty. And he, because they refused to pay a subscription for the verification badge, similar to the LA Times, to the White House, to you and I. This is wild because he needs the he Times. Needs, he needs the Times. He now, needs them on Twitter. He needs them on they Twitter. They give value to that platform by being there. 
Yes. And that is what brought us to this, this conversation because the New York Times, with all its complications, is seen as the front page of the world. Like, you know, whatever's on the front page of the New York Times is supposed to matter and it sets the tone of news. You know, we've worked for many news organizations and you did look to the Times to see, oh, did I hit the right beat here? Am I focused on the right story? Because they are such a leader in the space. So to have them stripped of their badge felt like a symbolic moment of Twitter's gone to hell. No, nothing matters. Nothing's real anymore. And everything where we go to find our source of news, our source of meaning in the world, uh, to understand the world around us is no longer existing. So it led us to this conversation to where it's like the front page of the internet is gone. So Sam, how are you feeling and how are you existing in this new ecosystem? And we're like, nothing, I feel like I'm in a, an eternal TikTok for you page where I'm just being thrown <laughs> things at me all the time exactly. and I have no control anymore. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in general, especially the last several months of Twitter and the algorithm just getting screwy, there is no one place on the internet that feels like the front page of the internet. For a while, it used to feel like BuzzFeed was that place. Not anymore. For a while, it felt like the trending topics page on Twitter could do that. Not anymore. The algorithm is so screwy now. When I go yeah. to trending topics on Twitter, it feels nonsensical. You know, I don't know what I'm seeing in my feed. I'm fed accounts and tweets that I don't actually want. And there's also, in the same time period, a loss of reliance on homepages of sites like the New York Times or the LA Times or CNN. So in general, I feel like the Trump of it all with Twitter is just an icing on the cake in which we've seen the last few years create this internet where there is no one-stop shop to figure out what the hell is going on with the yeah. internet. Yeah. And my experience of internet because of that just feels frazzled. Yeah. It feels frazzled when a few years ago it felt cohesive. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Can I ask, when was kind of your beginning or what's your origin story on the internet? You know, like to give you an example, when I think about my beginnings on the internet, it very much begins at AOL chat, AIM, okay. instant messenger chat rooms using that, et cetera. And then also AOL's homepage where you would go and see Yahoo News pop up all the stuff. But like, where do you begin your own story with the internet? I mean, I think I remember using Hotmail in college, to, mm. or not oh high school, God. to mail my presentations. Oh my God, Hotmail, yeah. Hotmail. <laughs> and then I remember Facebook coming to my campus when I was a sophomore in college. But I think I really kind of plugged into the internet uh, as an early adopter of Twitter. Like I got on Twitter in like 2009 and that was kind of it for me. And I was mm -hmm. really big on Facebook for a while. Mm -hmm. But I remember early on the algorithms for both of those platforms was really responsive to just what people were actually doing. Yeah. Kind of in order. Yeah. And over time, Facebook and Twitter and now even TikTok, their algorithm moves from showing you what's going on with you and your people to showing you what they want to show you. Yes. And so with TikTok, we've seen on that platform, you know, what used to feel like an algorithm that was really attuned to you and what you liked, now it's an algorithm like trying to make sure you, that you see this influencer, yes. that you see this dance, that you see this thing. And so, I don't know, I didn't answer a question at all, but I do no, think what we are. see happen is that like all of these platforms start out looking out for the concerns of their customers because mm -hmm. they need as many as possible. Mm -hmm. And then once they get you, their priority shifts to just kind of making more money. Yeah. And yeah. that happens every time. <laughs> 
Have you been following this? You know, okay, so listeners have probably picked up on this. I love looking at conspiracy theories on the internet as a journalist. Yeah, I like no. to look <laughs> at them. I like to understand them. Some of them send me spiraling, um, but I really like to engage with them just to see what other people are talking about. Mm-hmm. This is not mean I'm a QAnon person. I, I don't touch that, whatever. But there's like interesting, very like, kind of like the beginnings of Egypt. Like where do the pyramids come from? I'm very interested in these things. And have mm-hmm. you been following an ongoing conversation over the past few years called the internet is dead? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, tell me. So there's this idea that with everything you're talking about, with this shift from like the internet being about people, communities coming together, from you actually using it to talk to real people, that all the celebrities on the internet are actually dead. They're not real. And they're all AI generated because we have enough (laughs) information that they can just create things. And like, you don't really need a person to make them anymore. It's really insane. Now, is this part of the Avril Lavigne conspiracy theory in which people say she's dead and someone else is Avril Lavigne? It ties into all these, like (laughs) some celebrities are dead and we're replacing them. It ties into all of this stuff. But what it's getting at at its core is that due to the over, you know, monetization of the internet, that like every influencer you see is not making, you know, content just because they love this oatmeal that they've made, but it's because the oatmeal brand has paid for them to do it that we no longer know what's real because we don't know Mm -hmm. what people actually want or what they're actually expressing in the world, which makes the entire internet feel very dead. And this theory was happening before Elon Musk took over Twitter and now he's just really put the final nail in the coffin. And I think what we're getting at is, you know, there was a time, for those that are old enough to know, that the internet felt like a place where there were real people on the other end. They may not have been like their actual username or whatever. It was like people that you could work with or talk to. And now that feels to be gone. Well, and it felt like we would like all find moments to talk about the same thing together. Yeah. Do you remember what color is the dress Twitter? Yes. Do you remember llama Twitter? Yeah. Like there were these moments where it felt like the entire internet would come together in nonsense, but mm-hmm. would come together. And now it's hard to even find what those moments might be. Yeah. The algorithm on Twitter has gotten so bad. You know, there's even discussion about how the public service that Twitter used to provide in cases of public emergency, that's over. Yeah. You know, in some breaking news events with catastrophic weather or shootings or whatever, the first place journalists would go to for verifiable real information was Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's no longer, right? It's no longer. And it, I have very clear memories of, you know, the San Bernardino shootings years ago, yeah. being a journalist and using Twitter. I was out tr- there. Yeah, yeah, you were out there. I was yeah. in Chicago covering it. And you could use Twitter to be geolocative. You could zoom into mm-hmm. an area, look at tweets. And we just understood that those were real people using their phones tweeting and we use that to kind of engage with them see what the news on the ground was like but now whenever we tweet anything you and i were talking about this yesterday goes into the abyss goes i don't know what happens to it or you get a response and your hidden responses and it's porn it's porn porn. i have so (laughs) many foreign replies in my it's crazy well and, and like this is a thing it's like Twitter's a private company, but in many ways it provided a public service. Mm -hmm. And Elon has forgotten all about that. On top of just like losing that, the site's just gotten shittier. Yeah, I was reading up on this last night. CNN says that the service now appears to be breaking more frequently than any time since like a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Um, It's broken six times this year already. And it's only early April, (laughs) you know? Um, Oh my God. Since Elon has taken over, the company's gone from 7,500 employees to just 2,000. And it's like, I don't care what kind of company you're dealing with. You do that that quickly, 
it's going to kind of suck. Yeah. You know, it's going to kind of suck. And some other data I saw overnight was just the user rates. So, you know, I have some stats in front of me that shows that, and this is according to Insider Intelligence, which is a firm, they're predicting that end of next year, 32 million users will split from the platform. 32 million people. That's oh, yeah. Wild. And there's already data that says that since he's taken over, 9% of users here in America have left already. Yeah. That's almost one in 10 American users has said, no, we're out. Yeah. Already. He's been in charge of Twitter for just a few months. You know, there was an article uh, from Mashable that I was reading last night that kind of summed it up for me and kind of goes counter to the idea that we had when he first took over that like Twitter would like die in a week. Mm-hmm. Not so much. This Mashable article says, quote, a giant platform like Twitter doesn't die in one fell swoop, barring a complete meltdown down of the actual inner workings and servers because it's so short-staffed of engineers. If anything, Twitter will transform in drips and drabs, becoming less fun, less usable, and more annoying. Like the social media sites of yore, it will die a slow, agonizing death. And this Depressing. is the thing. It's like, that's sad enough. But if that is one more nail in the coffin of any semblance of positive internet monoculture... I am sad about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sad about the loss of internet monoculture. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's going away. Yeah. And so I guess to end, where should people be going? Is it like a- outside? Touch <laughs> grass. <laughs> touch grass. Go outside, girl. I the internet's not good for us anymore. <laughs> Go outside. Plant the garden. Walk a dog. When you say touch grass, what I'm also hearing from a news consumption standpoint is, you know, go out, buy news Be locally, a part of the world. Be a part yeah. of the world. Get engaged. You know, I was listening, again, to call back to Glennon Doyle and Michelle Obama. Because <laughs> they do give us Glennon, Michelle, come on the Glenn show. Michelle, this is my way of getting them to come on the show. Um, Michelle <laughs> does, you know, Mrs. Obama does say, and she does ask us to call her Michelle Obama, which is so wild to me. But anyway, she does talk about how an issue we face in this country is that we don't go out to meet our neighbors because we don't know our neighbors and we don't want to get to know our neighbors. And thus, mm-hmm. when someone tells us something about our neighbors, we believe them because we don't know them. And I think mm-hmm. what you're getting at, what I want us to get at is that we need to go and be out in the world now that the internet is no longer this reliable place where you can go and engage and find people in communities that you can trust or find reliable because that thing is shifting and we don't know what's going. But what I do know is that like, I got a neighbor down the hall I could talk to. I got people in the go. world I can be with. And I think that's where go. people who are feeling really overwhelmed by everything in the world, they feel like the algorithm is trying to send them to like, I don't know, a mental institute because it gives them only yes. nuclear war information like my yep. TikTok does. <laughs> you got to log <laughs> off and go outside. And, you know, I do think something will emerge that we can all rally around. But, you know, this is part of this grief cycle that we've been talking about with the internet. And this is kind of, I think, similar to Trump, both things we may need to all just take a break from. Let's and move walk on. Away from. Listen. Sound. Don't tweet, talk. Don't to tweet. real people. <laughs> or don't tweet, talk. Or throw like Sam throwing a back a backyard party this week. There I had people go. over to watch Drag Race on Friday. I do think okay. like this coming yeah. back offline is good for us. It's like a good yes, thing. So, most definitely. Anyway, well with that, we're gonna take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with our recommendations. So stay tuned. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
Listeners, we are back. And before we end the show, as we always do, we're going to share something that's helping us keep our vibes right or throwing us off this week. Let's start with a message from our dear friend, Saeed, who is in transit right now. My recommendation for the week is a poetry collection titled Against Heaven by poet Kimmy Alabi. I I will be reading this. I'm continuing to read this um, on my flight. It's a great poetry collection. I started reading it last week, and I thought I would read a little bit of one of the title poems. Um, I guess what I can tell you about this collection is, to me, it feels like a Black queer rejection of heaven, of the afterlife, of the idea that we are supposed to suffer here on earth and suffer through this mortal life in the hopes of something better. And it's like, no, we deserve better now. Um, And I just think, you know, hey, it's a whole vibe. So just here's a, a couple of lines from Kimmy's poem, Against Heaven. If all father tells it, First, you slave and shiver and shuck and die and die for heaven's around back gate to budge loose at the bent speck of you lies. No doors, no lines. Look right. Me and mine kissed alive, greening. I love that. So good. So good. I I would have read the whole poem, but I I don't want to be greedy. Y'all got to go out there and get the book. Anyway, that's my recommendation. Poetry serves a lot of functions, and and one of the most important of them is reminding us why we're here and what what we have to live for. And I think Against Heaven does that beautifully. All right. See y'all next week. That was beautiful. I I love it. You know, I love that Saeed shared that work that is not by him, but I would be not me without mentioning that Saeed Jones has been named a major award winner this morning that we can yes, now finally talk yes. about um, for his yes, own yes, poetry. Yes. So he today, if you Google this and read an ABC News, breaking news actually, uh, Saeed Jones won the Field Wolf Prize, which Henry Louis Gates, the very famous academic, personally called him and Saeed missed the call. Just <laughs> <laughs> We heard about this last week, but he missed the call from Henry Louis Gates who then emailed him asking to talk. So we it's are very wild. proud of her. So yes, read Saeed's recommendation, but also remember to buy all of Saeed Jones's books. They're yes. just wonderful works. Saeed tweeted that when Henry Louis Gates called him, he said, hi, Saeed, it's me, Skip. <laughs> what a phone call. Skip. I love it. Congratulations <laughs> to our sister. So well-deserved. So well-deserved. All right, Zach, what are you going to recommend this week? So... I'm going to recommend something that I dragged my feet to see, and I'm now mad I did, and it is a movie called A Thousand and One. The movie is by A.V. Rockwell, a first-time writer, a director of a feature. Um, She's a black woman. Mm -hmm. It's produced by Lena Waithe, who is a dear friend, and I always want to support her, but when I was at Sundance and this premiered, I just saw so many other things, and I was like, I'll see it maybe another time. And then Mm -hmm. when I went to the theater last night to see it, because it stars Tayana Taylor, who is an amazing singer- reality TV star, but I never think of her as a serious actor. I had very low expectations, just to be very honest for everyone. I was like, okay, I don't know, maybe this will be good. But let me Mm -hmm. tell you, I was so emotional at the end of this movie, which is about a black mother, you know, whose child is in foster care and she Mm. does take this child out of foster care without any legal (laughs) leeway to do so and raises him in a different part of New York with her own husband and lover. Um, It is a really intimate portrait of a black woman and a black man growing up together in New York in the 90s as New York shifts through all its changes under Giuliani and Bloomberg and gentrification and all this stuff. So, you know, it's a very complicated story told very simply about systems Mm. that impact black people. And I just think 
it is similar to how everything everywhere all at once opened early last year and became a darling later in the the Oscar cycle. I think this one has the potential to be that too. Um, okay. I don't know if I would say it's going to win Best Picture, but I think it's a similar mm-hmm. indie darling that deserves everyone's attention. It's really amazing. And Tiana Taylor is a force, so you should definitely check it out. I have been a fan of Tiana Taylor since the very start. I remember one of her first singles, Google Me Baby. Yes. Remember oh that? God, yes. <laughs> Ever since then, I was like, this girl's got the gift. She can sing. She can dance. She's very charismatic. And so charismatic. wow, she's gorgeous. She's got it. Did so I don't know. I wish her moment in the sun would have happened like five years ago. But if same. this is it, I'll accept it. She's, but a gift. she's been trying. I mean, she was in my sweet 16 mm. on MTV. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. She has an episode of her turning 16, I think in Atlanta. And it's oh. her like throwing her big birthday party. So she has been knocking on fame's she's been door trying. for a long time. And I do yeah. think this is her breakout moment. I hope it is. Because yeah. it did. This movie got a theatrical release, which I would have never expected for something like this. Okay. Tiana, I love you. Yeah, we love you. And listen, her music is amazing. Her last album Mm -hmm. was incredible. That was really good. Yeah. Well, Sam, what are you uh, vibing with this week? This is a new Netflix show coming out this week. It's called Beef. It stars Ali Wong and Steven Yoon. And it's an A24 release on Netflix, which is, (laughs) it seems like a new thing. But the premise of this whole show is pretty exciting for me. And I like watching Ali Wong kind of go dramatic. So in this movie, Ali Wong and Steven Yeun play two characters who get into like a little confrontation in a parking lot Mm -hmm. that turns into a road rage incident where they're following each other and trying to like get each other. Mm -hmm. And then when you think that it's not going to go anywhere, one of them gets the other person's license plate info and begins to like try to exact revenge. Um, it's not bloody and gory revenge. It's a different kind of comedic revenge. But these two people who just met through road rage end up having their lives intertwined uh, in some really interesting ways. I like this show. I like Allie. I like Steven. It is all Asian everything, like Asian excellence throughout the show. It's beautifully shot. It's A24. And I actually do think, as a Los Angeles resident, that we should have a national conversation about road rage because it's out Listen, of control. Yes. It's out of control. I see it constantly. I saw it the other day leaving yes. the theater. I think I talked about it on the show where I saw yeah. someone just ram their car into someone because they yeah. cut them off. People are, are upset. People are real thing. <laughs> just to give you an example of how bad it's gotten here in L.A., Every few days that this will happen to me, I'll be at a stop sign, a four-way stop sign, where usually everyone stops and waits Mm -hmm. to go. A car behind me or behind some other car will just skip around and ram itself through. This happens all the time. Yes, it is. And it's just like, I would never like go to the movie theater and cut everyone in line for popcorn. I don't know why people think this is okay at a stop sign or whatever. People just, No, I I think America has a lot of unprocessed trauma and grief from the pandemic years that yeah. we haven't processed and that we're letting out through the way we drive. Yeah. So just and for that alone, watch Beef. <laughs> and Beef also sounds like it's a meditation on vengeance, which was yes. a Donald Trump conversation. So mm-hmm. people maybe turn off the Donald Trump rolling coverage. Watch Beef. We love it. So before we let y'all go, though, we do have breaking news. Well, you news. have some news. I guess he's apparently arrested now with no handcuffs. No handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but the footage must is, be nice. In the footage is just him shutting like tons of suburbans flying into this <laughs> courthouse. So yeah, I mean the one thing that I'm seeing that is really just eye rolling is Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was interviewed by 60 Minutes. She this out week. there? She, I think she is out there. Look, oh, she's somewhere, Lord. but she's being interviewed in a suburban. Nope, she is in New York, New York. She's there for him. Um, and she was just asked about the arrest, and she says, "Quote: President Trump is joining some of the most incredible people in history and being arrested today." Nelson Mandela was arrested, served time in prison. Jesus was arrested and murdered. Are you kidding me? These girls are fucking insane. (laughs) Buddy. I see this is why I don't want this to happen. This is what we're about to be dealing with. So turn it off. I just turn it off. I just go outside, go outside, touch grass, and then watch beef on Netflix. Or go go. to the movies and watch a thousand and one. Do something other than whatever the hell Marjorie Taylor Greene is telling you to do. On that note, let us know how you're dealing with everything. The Trump of it all, the Twitter of it all. You can always reach out via email. We're at vibecheck at stitcher.com. Vibecheck at stitcher.com. Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. <laughs> Jesus We got Christ. to go. Thank you for taking time and listening to Vibe Check and this week's episode. If you yes. love the show, which we hope you do, and you want to support us, please make sure you follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend, tell another friend. Actually, bring up Vibe Check if someone asks you, what do you think about Donald Trump? And be like, did you listen to Vibe Check? And mm-hmm. just use that as a pitch to get you out of the conversation. So there. Yes. Huge thank you to our producer, Chantel Holder, engineer Brendan Burns, and Marcus Hom for our theme music and sound design. Also, special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. And listeners, don't forget, I've already said it. We want to hear from you. Email us at vibecheck at stitcher.com, vibecheck at stitcher.com. Also find us on Insta at Sam Sanders, at Zach Staff, and at The Ferocity. If you share about us on socials, use the hashtag vibecheckpod. All right, stay tuned for another episode next Wednesday. Avoid Marjorie Taylor Greene. Avoid the road rage. And uh, turn the internet off just for a little bit. Save yourself. Touch grass, as Sam would say. Touch grass! On that note, bye. (laughs) Bye. Stitcher. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.